Oh, I'm kind of emotional this morning, like always, basically, but uh, happy anniversary. Isn't that good? That's awesome. Officially, tomorrow, uh, South City Church turns one year old. Uh, That's amazing. And God has been so faithful and so good. Obviously, you know that we stand on the shoulders of all the families and the generations of ministry and, and, and the people who have loved well and served well as Temple Baptist Church. And uh, Temple ended in February of last year. And then, as you know, we started South City Church as a replant of Temple. And God is just so faithful and so good. It's not about a person. It's not about anybody on our team. It's not about any, This is about the Lord having a plan for his church as we're learning, right? And we're thinking about in these groups. And this is about his vision and his heart for this community. So I just want to stop for a moment and just say thank you to him. Can we do that? Father God, how can we say thank you enough? Lord, I I want to dance around and, and shout hallelujah, and I want to lay on the floor and weep all at the same time because of how good you are how kind you are, God, all that you've done, all that you continue to do, Lord, overwhelms my soul. Um, God, this is not the work of men. This is your work. This is your heart. And we're seeing people uh, learn in you and drawn to you and, and, and change, God, as a result of your grace and your goodness. And your word says that if, Jesus, you said, if, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd help us to continue to lift you up. Not anything that we could do, but just continue to lift you up in this place, in this church, in this community, in this city, and that you, Lord, by your grace, would just continue to draw people to yourself out of your kindness, and that your kindness, God, would lead us to repentance, to know you, and to serve you. Father, we thank you as a church, Lord, as a family. We say thank you, God, for this year. And thank you, Lord, for the next many years that you have envisioned and planned for this community, for this church, for this people, Lord. We pray that we would just be obedient to you, that we would surrender to you, Lord, that we would seek you, that we would find you, that you would lead us, God, in exactly who you want us to be, and that we would honor you, Lord, with our lives, and that we would grow and become the disciples, Jesus, that you want us to be. Lord, make yourself known among us, and we will follow you, and we will trust you with all that we have and all that we are. And God's people, this family of South City, we say, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Did your groups go well? So we're back in the groups thing. Listen, let's just acknowledge the elephant that's already in the room, right? It's weird, right? It's kind of weird to be in groups, and I get that, but it's good. Some of you came in your groups this morning, and you're like, this is not church. I'll just tell you right now. This is just not church. But let me just actually say, yeah, it is, okay? Church is not a building, and it's not necessarily a certain thing. We talked about this last week. What is the church? How do I define the church? How does somebody else define the church? Because how the church is defined by us doesn't matter as much as how it's defined by God. And actually, small groups of people meeting together, praying for each other, loving one another, learning God's word, growing deeper as disciples in Jesus— Guess what? That's the church, okay? And so what you just came out of is exactly the church. This is too. It's all this beautiful mishmash of of the church, and we're we're excited to learn a little bit more about what God's plan and heart is 
for the church as we go through these groups. So we'll be in these groups for the next five weeks, okay? And so this schedule is a little different. I know it feels like we're kind of getting back into school or something. I know. It's always that first day of school is a little weird. And so uh, it took you a little while to get going, a little while to get over here. I'm, I'm, Daryl started the worship this morning and half the church is in the back hanging out, which is beautiful, but we're going to have to get on in here and do church, right? So uh, we've got to get that guy with that little dun, 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 little thing poking people, get them in there. We're going to do that. Um, <laughs> Julian <laughs> volunteers for that job. Perfect. <laughs> Knew we could find a place for you, Julian. That was perfect. So anyway, what is a church? We talked about this uh, last Sunday. We asked this question, and I asked it again this morning, how do we get here? And when I say here, I don't mean like in your car or this right here, but how did the church get to this place where we define what it looks like and, and what it seems like? I mean, did we just kind of arrive here through tradition? This is, we've always been doing church, and church is, just looks like this, and we go here and we do these things, and equals church. And I think the reality is, yeah, there's a lot of truth in the fact that that's kind of how we've arrived at what we think church is or what we've done as church over the last many generations even, right? Last week we talked about the fact, though, that church is not just the thing we do. It's not just the performance or the, the message. and the, we're, it's, we're a family. The church is a family. It's so important. We talked about last week. The foundation of the church is God's Word. That's what the foundation is built upon. We know that, uh, that the head of the church and the cornerstone of the church is what? It's Jesus. And if you take the cornerstone out of a, a building built on a cornerstone, it's going to crumble. And so everything is built around Jesus on the foundation of his word. Uh, obviously, you talked about this this morning. We're beginning to learn about what is God's design for the church? What is God's plan for the family of God? That's who we are. It's it's his idea, by the way, okay? The church is his idea. This is not just, you know, over the years, people began to kind of hang out together and talk about things they had in common. And No, no, no. There was a very specific plan to what God wanted his family to do and how he wanted them to grow and who they, he wanted them to become. And so what's interesting, over the next several weeks, we're going to learn that God had a plan. Jesus himself said, right, this is my church. Upon this rock, upon the truth of the fact that Jesus is Messiah, this is my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This was God's idea. Uh, the church is not just a social gathering. It's by its very design, by its very purpose, this was God's idea. And so this morning, I want to look at um, the, probably a scripture that you looked at in your groups this morning. I'm going to go a little deeper if we can, just for a couple of minutes here before we go. Ephesians 3, would you look at that with me? Paul's letter to Ephesus, chapter 3, says this, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it is now as it now have been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given 
to preach to the, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. There's a lot of information in that text, okay? And I'm not going to take a ton of time to completely unpack it. That's what we're going to do over the next five weeks. But I will tell you this, God has a plan. God has a plan. And Paul speaks to it as, as this mystery. Last week we kind of defined that. What, what is the mystery? The mystery is the fact that, remember we talked about the Brady Bunch, remember that whole thing? It's Gentiles and Jews now have to come together and be a family. They've got to come together and be this one big happy family and they've got to learn what it means to be a family of God, to be the church. Uh, he, Paul says this wasn't made known to others before this. We see at the end of Christ's life, he's explaining his plan, right? As he said, this is the church. I'm going to build my church. He's explaining his plan. He's preparing his leaders. He's helping them to, to get ready. And then he ascends into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls and then Peter begins to preach. The disciples begin to move in power. All of the plan that God had in place. And of course you read in Acts 2 that we talked about last week. This beautiful example of what the church looked like. What it was becoming. So God is revealing to the apostles. And especially to Paul. This plan. This administration of what uh, his heart is for the church. Uh, he says this, that the Jews and the Gentiles are going to come together as one. Look at, look at verse 6. What is the mystery? Verse 6 defines it for us perfectly. It says this, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay, this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, uh, Gentiles are going to get the same benefits that we get as Jews. The same. We're going to be together. We're, we're fellow heirs, right? He says, we're all going to worship together in one body, in one community. We're going to come together. We're going to be one. And then he says, we're all going to receive the gift of God's grace. I, I was thinking about this, and I just reminded of the story of the prodigal son. You know, the story of the prodigal son, there's, there's the, the older brother, the self-righteous brother. He's followed the rules, kind of like Israel. And then there's the prodigal son who doesn't care about the rules and he doesn't care about the father, kind of like the Gentiles. And yet the story is not about the prodigal son, it's about the loving, faithful father. That's what it should have been named. And here the father brings the younger prodigal son and the older rule-keeping son together because they both need the same grace. That's kind of the same thing that we're seeing here in this mystery. This is the mystery that God is bringing together. So Paul has a task. Paul's job description, there's two things to it, okay? Paul's given the task of preaching to the gospels, the, sorry, the gospel to the Gentiles. He wants, he's, he's given this, uh, he calls it a grace. And like, this is, God, this is a gift that you've given me. The ability to preach, the, the job to care for your, your grace of what the truth of your word is, to give it to the Gentiles. And then to bring to the light uh, the plan of the mystery for everyone. How does he do this? He does it through preaching. He does it through mentoring leaders, visiting churches, and obviously writing letters. Most of the, the New Testament is written by Paul. And I don't know about you, but for so long, I just kept thinking, well, this Paul guy writes a lot, and we sure learn a lot, you know. But as you learn about why Paul's uh, job description, as he's given here, and you learn about the context of where this all came from, 
we begin to see that Paul is training. We call it in, in, in seminary or in, in ecclesiology, we call it um, the Pauline cycle. Okay? And this is what it looks like. Paul preaches. People come to know Jesus. As they come to know Jesus, he establishes them in the faith, making sure they understand what they're learning. That's right? kind of what we did in those first six weeks. And then after he establishes them in the faith, he disciples them into a deeper faith. And after he disciples them, he develops leaders out of those disciples. And out of those leaders uh, that have been developed, he goes and plants churches. They're on mission. But it never stops. The whole time he's, he's uh, preaching, he's investing, and he's discipling, and he's establishing, and he's planting, and he's writing. He, this thing just keeps going like a wheel, spokes on a wheel. And they just keep going up to this day. And so guess what our job is, church? The Pauline cycle to preach the gospel, to establish people in the faith, to develop disciples deeper and deeper, to develop leaders out of those disciples, to plant churches, to be on mission. Listen, here's the truth. If you've been in the church for a long time and you haven't been developed as a leader, someone has failed you. Because the plan of God that we see here is that leaders are to be developed, right? Ephesians 4, to train the saints for the work of the ministry. So it's our job to be about all of these things in the Pauline cycles, what we call in ecclesiology, okay? Uh, now there's this last little piece here in the plan. What is the plan? The plan is the family of God. The, the, the idea that God is gonna show the wisdom, his unsearchable wisdom through the church. Through the church. In fact, God's the only one that knows about it, evidently. It, right? The authorities and rulers in, in the heavenly realms don't even know. And so they know that God's going to redeem the world. They know that before the beginning of the world that the lamb was slain. Right? They, they, but how's this all going to play out? And yet this text tells us that it's through the church, through the house order, which is the plan of God for his church. Now we're going to unpack all that over the next six weeks. But as I close, I just want to remind you. Uh, I love this quote from Bill Hybels, who was a pastor at Willow Creek Community Church for so many years. He says, the local church is the hope of the world. Think about that for a second. The local church is the hope of the world. Now, obviously, we know the local church's message is the gospel of Jesus. So the local church without the cornerstone, without Jesus, we have no hope, we have nothing to give. But when the local church is walking out the plan of God in the gospel of Jesus, who we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's the hope of the world. That's a big deal. By the way, that's you. You're the hope of the world. This message that God has given us, this wisdom he's given us through his word that we can give it to the world, the beautiful grace of the gospel of Jesus. It says this, he says that because of the church, the world can be taught, can be made known the beautiful wisdom of God. So there's a couple things before we go here. How does this change your view of Paul? For me, it just really changes. When I look at his letters, I begin to see him teaching in that Pauline cycle. He's preaching, he's establishing, he's discipling, he's planting, he's investing in other leaders, leadership development. This is Paul's writing. And as you read this, you begin to go, oh, so this isn't just a good word about God. This isn't just, no, he's teaching people in that cycle and he does it until the day he dies. And then the last question is this, 
How does this change your view of the church? Does it change your view of, of what the church is? So that when you don't just walk into a small group and go, well, this is not church. Maybe it changes your view a little bit where you go, well, maybe this is church. And maybe my view of what the church has been is not necessarily God's definition of what the church is. Church is a family. Church is a family. And over the next several weeks, we're going to break that down, what that means, and I'm so excited to do it together. God's going to do something amazing uh, in this, in us, and he's going to continue to draw us together. It's a mystery. The thing about mysteries is they're hard to understand. (laughs) But God in his grace is going to reveal to us as a church, as a body, in our differences, in our diversity, in our questions, in our age, the beauty of his grace right? We're going to be one big family. He's going to bring us together. It's going to be a beautiful thing. So I want to pray for us this morning. And uh, then after I pray, I'm going to give you a few um, announcements before we go. Thank you for being here this morning. Tell your friends, if there's people in your group that you haven't seen today, give them a call. Give them a call. Say, hey, man, we missed you. I hope you can come back to our group. We'd love to see you again. Let's see what God does in this, okay? Pray with me. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. God, we thank you that the church is not our idea. The church is your idea. And I pray that you'd help us to continue to look to your word and that you would continue to reveal to us what does it mean to be the church, the body of Christ, the family of God. And help us, Lord, to to trust your word. Not our tradition, not what we've known, not what we see other people doing, but go specifically to your word. Even when we compare our own lives, Lord, can we just go to your word? Are we exactly who you want us to be? Lord, we want the truth of the gospel of Jesus to define us individually and corporately so that we can be the church, God, that you want us to be. We love you. Help us to grow as a family and bless these studies in Jesus' precious name. Amen.